everyone, and welcome to Behold, the podcast where we try to answer once and for all, what is the best comic book adaptation? Yes, be it movie or TV show, we'll watch it and rank it until we have our definitive number one. Who's we? Well, I'm your host, Andrew, and as per usual, I'm joined by my co-host, Mick. Hello! How are you doing today, Mick? I'm absolutely shattered. I've just returned from a week's holiday with my grandchildren. And therefore, I need a week off to recover now. Yes. Also, this is, I have been warned in advance that this episode may just devolve into like an hour-long lecture by Mick on Pup Academy. Or as I like to call it, Hogwarts for dogs. Pugwarts? Could be. Pugwarts. Yeah. That'd work. Actually, that, that sounds like something you need to get checked out at the vet. <laughs> it does. <laughs> but yes, so uh, after a week of walking around, uh, looking at beaches, sharks, castles, and steam engines, uh, I'm ready for a, a more sedate week ahead. How have you been? I mean, it's 2021, the world is on fire, and I have a low-paying menial job. Okay. <laughs> but at least there's plenty to watch on the telly now. Yeah. I mean, with, 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 a, with a summation like that, that reminds me, Morrissey has a new album. Oh, goodness. Just when you thought it couldn't get any Actually, worse. Actually, no. Uh, I believe the latest update is that Morrissey has a new album complete. He just hasn't got anyone willing to release it for him. Okay, that, that's cheered me up. <laughs> anyway, I, I think it's time for us to move on. Yeah. Because it is now time for our logo to get absolutely drenched with blood as we behold Invincible. Actually, what we should have done there is gone, Behold! And then some kind of audio-described visual title card. Yes, just have a very like softly spoken thing. The screen then cuts to a picture of the word invincible as a blood splatter increasingly appears above it. Yeah. That's what we should have done there. <sighs> we should have, but as with many things that we've come up on this show... That would require an extra level of editing from myself. Yeah. And if there's one thing I refuse to do, it is work. Yes. Maybe I've... that's why things aren't going well at my job. It, it could well be, yeah. Anyway, today we will be talking about the 2021 Amazon Prime animated series, created by Robert Kirkman and based on the Image comic series by Robert Kirkman, Ryan Otley and Corey Walker. So, Mick, you were you familiar with the Invincible comics at all? Uh, my first awareness of the Invincible comics was when I was scrolling through Amazon Prime and went, what's that? Yeah, that's fair. I think <laughs> I'm only a slight little bit above you in that growing up, I was very much aware of Invincible being a thing, but being a comics reader in the UK in like the mid 2000s mm -hmm. 
should not get an issue of it. Yeah, there's there's been a few comics that are, there's a couple of adaptations out at the moment that are a bit like that. Sweet Tooth is another one um, where there's a TV adaptation of it. I got the first issue of the comic as part of Free Comic Book Day about three or four years ago, and then never saw it again anywhere. But it's now available as a collected volume from DC Black Label. Yeah, because it's stuff like that, and especially there's kind of quite a long stretch, particularly here up north, mm. where just kind of we didn't really have that much in the way of dedicated comic shops. Yeah, it was pretty much just good old fashioned. You get what you can pick up at the newsagents. Yeah. So if it's not Marvel and it's not DC and it's not kind of a fairly small selection of Marvel or DC, you're probably not getting it. Yeah, that's it. it you're reliant on, you know, you could only really follow the adventures of the big, big ticket things like Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Thor. I mean, even then, I would say, like, DC-wise, it's pretty much Batman or Burst. Yeah. But yeah, it's also, obviously, things are quite different now, especially now that we do have things like Comixology. So you can just if you want to read a comic, you click a button and then you own the comic. It's not the same though, is it? But yes, I, I also admittedly tend to miss physical physical comics. But what I don't miss is having literally zero shelf space and the shelves I do have kind of buckling in the middle just at the sheer weight of comics on top of them. Yeah, now, I too have this problem, which as you know for many years wasn't a problem for me. Um, I'm going to have to have a look at some some kind of ingenious space-saving storage solution for my comics. Indeed, this it is the eternal struggle of the comics fan. Yeah. Oh, or oh, or oh, die so that they end up going to my sons. Well, that's an anyway. extreme measure. <laughs> But yes, the thing I was coming around to is with Invincible, it is something I've wanted to get into for a while, but being something where I'm more coming to it after the series itself is finished. Yeah. Kind of you look at it and go, yeah, that's 144 issues long. I'll I'll put that one on the back burner for now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be fair, you come into comic, I feel sorry for the younger generation going, I really enjoyed that Batman comic. I'm going to read all the Batman comic. Oh my God. <laughs> yes, I think that's that's kind of the thing with getting started into comics where you kind of, you're working, walking to a comic shop and go, yeah, I like Batman. What's a good Batman story? So, oh, well, yes, little Timmy, you'll want this one. But then also... This one, this one, this one, this one, this one, this one, and this one, so that you can understand all the backstory to this good comic. Oh, and actually, um, because this character appears in it as well, you want to read their spin-off series. <laughs> so yes, once you've done this, like, three weeks worth of pre-reading, yeah. then you'll be ready for this good Batman story. <laughs> 
Well, actually, we're, we're saying things like that. I think that's also the interesting thing about Invincible is it's kind of one of the higher profile things that's, you know, not Marvel or DC. Yeah. And it is this very self-contained, like if you want to read Invincible, you can just start with Invincible issue one and work through the series. Yeah. You don't need to read like 10 issues and then break away to read a, like that year's big crossover. Yeah. There's no characters disappearing halfway through because they've got their own series. Yeah. But it's also, I think it's the idea, kind of it feels like there's maybe more possibilities for things because it's not necessarily tied to well, we've got to keep the status quo and yet, in the it, same way that Marvel and DC are. And it, it, it's quite odd that, and we'll probably get into this in more detail later on, but it's quite odd that it hasn't hinted at something like that going on in the background because it it plays mercilessly with all the tropes that are otherwise de rigueur in comics. Yes, definitely. And I say I'm basing this off of kind of the first 10 or so issues that I did read mm. in preparation for this. Also, as much as I said self-contained, one of the weird things I did find, because I wasn't aware of this before I started reading it, is Invincible is still set within like the Image Comics universe. So I think there's a bit um, where they're talking to the police and then just Savage Dragon, a man who is a a big green lizard cop is just hanging about. Yeah. Right. Um, Indeed. Shall we? Shall we synopsize the series? Yes. Let's let's do that. Is synopsize a verb? It it is now. Again, this is the theme for. Behold 2.0 is we just set our own rules now. That's it. We don't care how DC need their heroes pronounced. Exactly. But um, as is tradition, I will say full spoilers for the first series will follow. Because that's what we do. Heck yeah. So, Mark Grayson, played by Stephen Yuen, is an average high school student frustrated that he does not share the incredible powers of his superhero father, Omni-Man, played by J.K. Simmons. This all changes, though, when Mark's half-built Tremite heritage kicks in and he develops incredible strength, flight, and near invulnerability. Uh, with the guidance of his father, Mark begins fighting crime as the superhero Invincible and begins to meet other teen heroes, including his classmate Atom Eve, played by Gillian Jacobs, and her hot-headed boyfriend, Rex Splode, played by Jason Mantzoukas. Uh, in his civilian life, Mark attracts the attention of his longtime crush, Amber, played by Zazie Beetz, and the two begin dating. However, there is a dark cloud hanging over the largest superhero community. The Guardians of the Globe, the world's greatest heroes, have been brutally murdered. Cecil Stedman, played by Walton Goggins, is the global of the Global Defense Agency is determined to find the killer, unaware that the culprit is none other than Omni-Man. Dun-dun-dun! Is that, is that my first dun-dun-dun of the new episodes? I think it might be. 
As the series progresses, Mark discovers the harsh realities of being a superhero. The strain of living a double life puts his relationship with Amber on the rocks, and he finds himself increasingly on the receiving end of beatings from powerful villains such as the savage Battle Beast, played by Michael Dawn, who leaves Mark hospitalised for several weeks. All this leaves Mark unsure if he even wants to continue as Invincible, but before he can really decide, he is thrown into the toughest fight of his life as Omni-Man's crimes are discovered. Uh, Omni-Man then reveals that he was sent by the planet Viltrum to conquer Earth in their name, and asks Mark to join his side. Mark refuses, and the two fight in a devastating showdown that leaves most of Chicago destroyed. Mark is almost killed by Omni-Man, but manages to remind his father of his humanity. Overcome with emotion, Omni-Man leaves the planet and flies off into deep space. Uh, after this, Mark is ready to return to life as a normal student, but is convinced to remain a superhero by his friend Alan the Alien, played by Seth Rogen, who warns him that, with Omni-Man's failure, the Viltrumites will send a full fleet to attack Earth. Uh, Mark won't be alone, though, as the planet's heroes now include Atom Eve and a new Guardians of the Globe who have come together as a team over the course of the series. So yeah, and you know what? It's nice to have a TV series where it's just, here are eight episodes that are quite easy to summarise. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, it has to be said, the one thing that might interrupt the um, enjoyment of the eight episodes from comic book fans is, is the squeals of delight that emanate from them when they realise who are playing some of these characters because it's a veritable who's who of various live action and animated superhero <laughs> properties. Oh, yes. Well, that's literally the first kind of note in my discussion notes is just <laughs> the cast list is incredible. <laughs> Because, yeah, like I've mentioned there, you've got, like, Stephen Yuen, you've got J.K. Simmons, uh, you've got, like, Seth Rogen, Gillian Jacobs, and those are just the ones that I mentioned for the summary. There's so many others, like, I mean, Mark's mum is played by Sandra Oh. Yeah. You've got uh, Mahasar Ali, shows up as Titan, who is, like, kind of one of my favourite characters in this, even though he only gets an episode. Mark Hamill as the tailor. Yes, Mark. Like, doing his full-on, almost kind of Joker, crackly voice type thing. Yeah. And then I like that as well, kind of, the Guardians of the Globe, they get basically a bunch of Walking Dead actors to play them. Yeah. <laughs> and then they all get very violently murdered. I also like that half the cast is just Ross Marcond. Well, there is that, yeah. Yeah, I think as well with the cast, like, what they've done is it's not just, here is a bunch of famous people, it's they've deliberately picked famous people who are also, like, talented voice actors. Yeah, yeah, they, they've got a good, um, they've got a, a, a good back catalogue of voicing, uh, not necessarily uh, purely comic book heroes, but there, there's some Star Trek luminaries in there. And... Yeah, you've got, I mean, Clancy Brown plays Damien Darkwood, the demon yeah. detective, yeah. who is, I mean, Clancy Brown is basically, you know, that that deep-voiced guy from literally everything. Yeah. But yeah, because I think it is, it's a bit of an art. Because there's certainly, as in the more recent years, been a bit of a habit of saying, 
right? We need people to voice these characters, but we want, you know, recognizable named voice actors. Yeah. And sometimes it can be the case. And it might be a case that's going to pop up in a few weeks' time when we talk about a certain Marvel animated property. <laughs> that just because someone is good at playing a character in live action, it's a fairly different skill set that they need for voice acting. Yes, yeah, and it can be. Speaking about that upcoming Marvel animated property, my availability may be short because I'm, I'm writing an arc, uh, a series long arc for that uh, animated property. It's called What If. Being humans was a good series. I mean, I, I think we're just going to have to shut down the show to work on that one. <laughs> yeah, what, what if Karnak didn't become a weed dealer? What if Medusa didn't lose her one superpower in episode one? What if our main characters weren't just actually the baddies? <laughs> Ah, uh, by one one day we're going to have an Inhumans episode. <laughs> oh, the lower echelons of our adaptations league are going to be going. Come on, do it, do it, do it. That's <laughs> how the duck might finally have a run for its money. Howard the duck. Anyway, Howard the duck is pouring his latest cocktail as we speak. But anyway, that's that's a good story for another time. <laughs> for now, Invincible, which, yeah, I think overall I quite enjoyed it. It's a it's a solid eight episodes. Um, it's it's one of those where the twist is quite obvious, but they manage to without making it overly complex, throw enough curveballs in there to throw you off the scent. So initially you start thinking, well, there's only one person who could do all that. Oh, but hold on. That doesn't make sense because of this, 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 this. Oh, that's how they did that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, it's very, you know, Omni-Man is the one who's killed the, the Guardians of the Globe, which... I'm going to slip up at some point because there was a DC superheroes team called the Global Guardians. Right. Which is just, <laughs> what, what just I, asking for trouble. What I like when you uh, read up, it's like the Wikipedia page for the Invincible TV show has been written mindful of potential lawsuits. Omni-Man, Max Viltrumite father and Debbie's husband, bald on Viltrum. To a superpowered alien race, his parents died in his youth before he joined the Viltrum Empire's intergalactic expansion over several thousand years. After arriving on Earth 20 years before the series, Nolan is considered the most powerful superhero on the planet with a civilian identity of a rich travel writer. He is loosely inspired by Superman. Yes, that is fun, just going down the Wikipedia. Loosely inspired. Yeah, yeah I don't... Damien I think so Wikipedia needs to look up the, the definition of loosely. <laughs> yeah. Damien Darkblood, a, de a demon detective who escaped hell to seek justice for others and save his soul, whose presence triggers a sudden cold in the ambient temperature. Cecil banishes him back to hell to keep him from exposing Nolan too soon. Damien is loosely inspired by Hellboy. No, not loosely inspired. I thought Hellboy was making a guest appearance. <laughs> 
Yes, the, the, this boy from hell is not that loosely inspired. <laughs> Guardians of the Globe, a decades-old superhero team that is loosely inspired by the Justice League. No, it's a direct rip. <laughs> yes, yes, because that, that is very much the point, is that they are meant to be stand-ins for these characters. My favourite, though, is going to be Martian Man, an exiled, shape-shifting Martian hero. Again, loosely inspired by Martian Manhunter, you know, the shape-shifting hero from Mars. Yes, that... I mean, <laughs> even even by Wikipedia's definition, I don't think you can describe just removing the last few letters from his name as <laughs> loosely inspired. <laughs> But yeah, like that is very much the point because it's, I mean, it's kind of interesting because it's not that much like a deconstruction necessarily of superhero comics, is it? It's it, it's 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 more it's more of a, a celebration with criticism of of the whole superhero genre. I think. Yeah, I, yeah, like it's it's not necessarily. Like something like say the boys, yeah, where they're kind of pulling apart the idea of superheroes and using them as more like an idea of celebrities. And it's basically saying, yes, yeah, superheroes are great and people can be them. It's just it's not necessarily as easy as putting on the costume and you're good to go. Yeah, and I think I think the the other thing that that shows through Invincible is that it's clearly written by comic book fans. These are not jobbing writers who've written these episodes. These are people who've grown up and, and drunk in everything there is to drink in about superheroes. And I think even to your point at the beginning of the the episode where we mentioned that the uh, <laughs> there will now be a silence while our logo is replaced with blood, that's a very comic book title page trope, isn't it? That sort of slow build up to a point and then you get that title page that's got part two of eight or whatever it is it's a it's a it's probably the first time i've seen that element of comic book construction transferred into an animated or live action prop property in quite such a clever way yeah it's kind of having because in comics a lot of the time the title will be sort of i guess implemented into the story itself yeah and yeah, this is kind of doing something similar with having that set up, then cuts to kind of as a character is about to say the word invincible. Yeah. But yeah, it's definitely, I guess that's the difference, isn't it? Is that it's written by people who clearly like comics. Whereas, again, I'm going to use the boys because it's the easiest point of comparison. It's written by Garth Ennis, who just fundamentally does not like superhero comics. Yeah. And yet he's currently writing the current run of Batman. He's a complicated man, is Garth Ennis. He's a complicated man. He does not like superhero comics unless he's being paid to write them. Yeah, actually, maybe when I say he's complicated, maybe what I mean is <laughs> he dislikes superhero comics, but not as much as he does like money. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't sue us, Garth. I, I mean, to be honest, I'm, I think he's more likely to just pop around our houses with a baseball bat. That's also true. 
it's fine. I'll get him to sign my copy of Hellblazer as he's kind of beating my kneecaps in. <laughs> but yeah, anyway. I mean, I guess that does kind of bring us back around to Invincible because it is stupendously violent. It is. Yeah, it's it. Sometimes with with animated shows that aren't made for kids, you don't mind sitting down and watching them with the kids. But this one definitely. No, not yeah. No, this is this is very not for younger audiences. No. Like, this is very head-squashy, eyeballs flying places. Yeah. I mean, when Omni-Man lets rip on someone, he re he doesn't just tear them a new one, does he? He makes sure there's nothing left for a new one to be held in. Yeah, yeah, Omni-Man, he, he doesn't punch a hole in someone so much as... He creates a hole with a little bit of personage around it. Yeah. But, and again, I think it it kind of ties into the idea that because we are used to superhero comics being these kind of, I mean, by, by necessity, because things like the comics code kind of quite sanitized and bloodless. But even, even when you and again, even if you think about the live action properties, you think about you know Superman having a fight with Lex Luthor. Unless Superman is really pulling his punches, there would be nothing left of Lex Luthor. You know? <laughs> yeah, and again, and this is more saying, well, no, actually, in quote-unquote the real world, it's not that simple. Like, yeah. when big, scary supervillains are invading alien armies or attacking, it is going to be quite violent. Yeah. And that's, again, that's kind of, it kind of it works because it's like reflecting Mark realizing that it's not just a simple, oh, I'm going to swoop in, save the day, and everything's going to be neatly resolved within you know twenty two pages. Yeah. Which I guess tied to that, the animation of this is really bloody good as well, isn't it? It is because uh, what I what I sometimes find is that on the animated, certainly things like the DC animated. Uh, stuff. The animation uh, is more than just animated comic book frames, if that makes sense. Whereas this feels like I'm reading a comic book that's been animated, rather than an animation that's been adapted from a comic. If that makes any kind of sense. Do stop me if I'm talking dribble. It's. I, I think this might be the Pup Academy sneaking through a bit. <laughs> it made my brain bleed. Um, no, but do you know what I mean? The, so, like, uh, things like Into the Spider-Verse and um, The Long Halloween that's just been released, they are quite clearly inspired by comics, but the animator's art has been to interpret the comic book. Whereas this feels more like someone has made, decidedly wanted to make this feel like a comic book. Okay, yes, like they have read the comic book and said, okay, how do we 
make this exact sequence in yeah, a way and, that and, is like not static images. Yeah, and and with with the with the DCA uh, DCAU stuff, I know a lot of the criticism is about oh they haven't done the right costume or they haven't done this and that, and I think some of that is compromised because of the challenges of animating certain aspects of character design and stuff like that. Whereas this feels more like they've gone. Do you know what? We'll just do the comic. Whatever it takes, we'll just do the comic. That's what yeah, it feels it's... like. I'm going to say something, and I apologise in advance, because I'm going to be that guy. But I guess Invincible feels a lot more like, say, the relationship between manga and anime, where it is more of that like direct one-to-one -one correlation in broad general terms. Yeah. Which I know, I just feel it's like the spirit of Rob was back in the room relating things back to manga and anime. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's still it's an interesting point because with things like that, I think the big key difference is as a lot of these things like sent off do you say an animation studio to make their yeah. own version? This one, it's kind of directly Robert Kirkman, like the guy who wrote the comic, who is now writing the TV series. Yeah. And that's, I think, that's just been very interesting in terms of adaptation because it allows you to do things that are more kind of directly one-to-one, -one, like just straight, this is the story of the comics. We are doing, you know, this story, not, you know, a new thing kind of taken some of the elements yeah but it's also it's allowed them to make some changes which i mean i think robert kirkman himself has been very open about basically saying you know i wrote invincible in 2003 i've changed a lot as a writer since then so it's essentially allowing him to kind of take another crack at things kind of punch up bits he's not quite happy with yeah 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 like i know one of the big things which we kind of mentioned before is the idea the um, Omni-Man killing the, the Guardians of the Globe, that happens at the end of issue one. Whereas in the comics, that happens, I think it's about issue seven. I think, and it, it means... I think it's telling that you refer to episode one as issue one. Did I? God, every time. <laughs> but no, I, I think that, that it kind of proves the point I made earlier about it feels like a comic book. Exactly, yeah. But yeah, but basically the idea is that by like having that at the end of episode one, because that kind of sells like the hook of the series, doesn't it? Yeah. Like that's what gets you invested in reading more. Whereas the first few issues of Invincible, they're just very, oh yeah, this is, this is a pretty good, just fairly standard superhero story, just kind of, you know, with a bit more violence. Yeah. And as well, I think it's helped that, you know, coming back to it now kind of several decades later kind of you can i guess improve things like the diversity of it yeah like is well, it, is I, it, you know I, I don't know whether it, uh, this is this is one thing and i don't want to sound like that old man you know the kind that walks out of his own talk show um when criticized but 
is it a question of you can revisit diversity or is it a question of you kind of have to? I mean, I think it's you. I would say you have to, but more in the sense of having a cast of characters entirely comprised of mostly straight, mostly white people, just isn't that reflective of the world we live in. Yeah, and that, and I think the same would have been true in if if this had been made from the original uh, source material in two thousand and three. The same would also have been true. I just, I just feel that there's a there's a pressure now that that diversity has has to be reflected. So you can't you can't just do a straight adaptation of something that didn't have that element in it before. You've got to change some of the characters to to reflect the diversity. And that, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying it's it's almost getting to the stage now where you know. You'd have to change the casting of like an adaptation of Pride and Prejudice, you know. Mm, but I mean, again, I guess the question is: Is it more important to have like Pride and Prejudice as an accurate representation of Elizabethan England, or have Pride and Prejudice in a way that gives more opportunities for a more like diverse range of actors? Yeah, I, I I don't have a problem with it. I'm just conscious of the conversations that go on on the bottom half of the internet that do really have a problem with it. That's true. But yeah, anyway, I think like the main thing with this though is like kind of one of the more like unambiguous. Yeah, this is kind of a change that needed to happen. Is with uh, Mark's friend William, because I think in both this and the comics. Like, that character is gay. Yeah. But from what I've kind of read ahead a bit in the comics, it's a lot more of, a, like, that character comes out as gay and there's a lot of kind of sort of homophobic stuff around that that he's got to sort of overcome. Yeah. Whereas now I think you kind of just need to have him be, like, just openly, no, I'm, I'm gay and that's fine because that's... I mean, I want to say more reflective of the, the world we live in, but also the world we live in is still, God, just god-awful sometimes. It is. But yeah, anyway, that's... I think that kind of mostly sums up the, the main positive bits I've got. Yeah. Um, negatives. I think, for me, the only negative that I can throw in there is that some of the actual big-ticket fight sequences are actually irrelevant to the main plot. If that makes sense. Yeah, well, I know I have kind of, I think, a fairly considerable problem with, like, the Omni-Man fight at the end. Because mm. I feel like, because Mark fighting Omni-Man, that's basically the entirety of the last episode. Yeah. And I feel like that just drags on way too long. Yeah, it's one of those, 
And now, the long big punch-up from the fast show. Yes. And especially it's because, like, Mark, he's completely outclassed in that fight. Like, it's just, it's Omni-Man beating him up and then killing a bunch of people and saying, like, ah, you can't save these people, Mark. Yeah. And it's just like that again and again and again. Like, there's not a point where it kind of looks like, you know, Mark's starting to get the upper hand or anything. Like, the fight just doesn't really fundamentally change from start to finish. Yeah. And it just, it gets to a point where it's just like, yeah, yeah, okay, I, I, I get this now. Can we, can we maybe hurry things up? Yeah. <laughs> I've got things to do. Yeah. <laughs> Even to the degree of, should I maybe just like, you know, jump ahead in the episode a little bit? But, uh, you know, in, in that regard, it kind of it kind of uh, backs up the old adage that the journey is more important than the destination. Yeah, I mean, I think like, you know, the end of that fight still works where he's, you know, kind of tell an Omni-Man, you know, what, what, you have to, what would you have after 500 years? I'd still have you, Dad. And then he kind of fight. It's just, it takes so long to get to that point. Yeah. Well, I think there's also, <laughs> I was expecting someone to be called Martha as well. It is, it is a bit like that. Yeah. <laughs> Although I will say, kind of that one scene where Omni Man's like given his big rant about, you know, humankind's worthless. Yeah has led to one of my favourite things on the internet. Yeah. Which is someone taking the footage of that and perfectly sinking in J.K. Simmons' rant about lemons from Portal 2. <laughs> I've not played but, Portal 2. Oh, you should. It's a very good game and very funny as well. Right. Yeah, it's also that... And episode six as well, I thought was kind of boring, to be honest. Because that's the one, well, like, you've just had episode five. Yeah. And that's, you know, the big episode, right? Because you've got Mark teaming up with Titan, who is the, the guy played by Mahasar Ali. And you've got that whole debate of, is, you know, Titan a bad guy who's just using Mark for his own ends? Or a good guy who genuinely wants to bring down his crime boss. Boss. That was a better way to phrase that, but I didn't take it. <laughs> and then it's the idea that, like, actually, you know, the truth is kind of somewhere in between. Yeah. Where Titan does want to use him so he can just take over the crime family himself. But so he can do that to keep his own family safe. And then you've got the, like, Mark trying to fight Battle Beast and kind of get him nearly killed. And, like, that's the point where you've got to where Marx realized, oh no, being a superhero, it's more complicated and more dangerous than I thought. Do I really want to kind of keep up with it? Yeah. But I think the problem is that's the point he needs to be at when he fights Omni-Men. But that's not going to happen till, you know, episode seven and eight. Yeah. So we've just got an episode where kind of nothing really much seems to happen, yeah, except a, just things it, continue to be bad. Yeah, it's one of those uh, um, shows like Buffy used to do this, 
you'd have you'd have almost like a mid-season finale where there'd be a big showdown with the battles. Which it would kind of be the equivalent of the midpoint in a movie where it looks like the villains have won or the the good guys have got their false victory or something. And then you'd just have a an episode where everybody just gathered their thoughts and uh, <laughs> let's have a look at where we are. Let's lick our wounds. Let's explore our interpersonal relationships and motivations, and that, and then we'll go off and kick some more ass next week. Yeah, it's very much one of those. Yeah. And I think as well, it's because the main focus of it is like the whole thing with Mark not telling Amber that he's invincible. Yeah. Which I think that might be one of the areas where the series hasn't aged that well, is I feel like that's one of those superhero tropes that has been like quite centered on a lot of things and now a lot of things do tend to do away with that yeah because to be fair it is it's kind of a not great thing to do is just lie to all the people you care about about who you really are yeah so yeah, i think those are the two like main criticisms i've got because i do have one more but I realise it's also, I'd argue it's it's maybe not entirely Invincible's fault. Right. Because the idea of the main villain of the series being like, what if Superman was a bad guy? I think that works very well as a twist. Because, yeah. you know, even if you're a casual audience, the two main things you know about Superman are that he's like, the strongest superhero and the most good. Yeah. So the idea of going, ooh, actually he's a bad guy. That's subverted my expectations. Yeah. And also, but he's the strongest one. How are the other heroes going to, you know, cope with fighting him? Yeah. So it's, you know, it's an interesting twist. Which is usually answered it's... by the answer, Batman cheats. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but like, it's an interesting twist and one that sets up, you know, easy to understand stakes mm -hmm. the problem is because it is such a good twist so many things have looked at it like dc themselves have gone oh yeah that's a that's an interesting twist here's is ultraman kind of an evil alternate universe version of superman here's overman another evil alternate universe version of superman here's an entire series of games based around the idea that what if Superman went evil? Here's a bloody four-hour-long Justice League film in which that's a thing we're going to potentially set up. And then Marvel come in and go, ooh, we'll maybe take a bit of that. Here's, here's our character called Hyperion. He's what if Superman was a bad guy? And here's another character called the Sentry, who's what, what if there was a Superman character and he went a bit evil? Interesting stuff. And then other people are like, yeah, we'll do that as well. Here's the Plutonium. Here's <laughs> Homelander. Here's just got so many evil <laughs> supermen. And I'm so tired of it, Mick. <laughs> and that's, yeah, I, 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 think, I think that is it. And it, it is one of those things. And I think, I kind of think
that this is this has done it from a slightly different perspective. In the um, Omni Man is just evil pretending to be good. He's a bad guy from the start, really, effectively. And actually being being a hero and being attached to the GDA is part of his cover. Um, whereas with the others, a lot of it is to do with Superman being controlled, being from another universe. One of the many, many different shades from the Dulux Kryptonite chart. Um, those kind of things. So I think it does it slightly differently. And it, it almost kind of has to, because like I said at the beginning, it's exploring all the comic book tropes. So yeah, yeah. the origin and that's That's why part of me feels quite bad about levelling yeah. it as a criticism, because I think the way Invincible handles it is quite interesting. And it, it's it, just, it's still the bit in the back of my head that's going, oh, it's this again. And it, it, it's also the fact that, you know, you're adapting a 2003 comic. Now, if, if they'd had adapted that comic and that plot twist hadn't been there, we'd have been criticising it for spoiling the ending of the comic. So they couldn't really win. Yeah, exactly. That's that's good. That's why it's, again, kind of a qualified criticism of... But yeah, it's not really something you can... Like, it's such an integral part of the story. It needs to be there. Yeah. But anyway, I think that kind of uh, certainly sums up my thoughts and feelings on Invincible. Shall we? Shall we rank it? Why not? I mean, Bizarro as well is basically evil Superman, isn't he? Yes, that's true. So, yep, here we are. We've got our list running from A History of Violence at number one, all the way down to Howard the Duck at number 41. Mm -hmm. Whereabouts do you think Invincible comes? Well, just because it feels like I'm watching a comic brought to life, I, I'm saying it's got to be at least top half. Um, yeah, I mean, and it's definitely earned a place amongst the good parts of the, like the good things that we've covered. Yeah. Um, and I've actually been thinking, this list is getting a bit unwieldy, isn't it? I mean, we, we, we have discussed is. before that actually looking at it, some of it doesn't make sense because we kind of do it on the fly. I'm wondering, is it worth us separating out movies from TV shows? Ooh, interesting. Because I feel, I feel it's a bit unfair covering a DC movie one week and then a DC TV show the next week and the DC TV show just wins out because they're so much better at doing those than they are movies. <coughs> I mean, surely be that, that same logic, though. It's said it's a bit unfair that Hellboy gets to rank so high on our list and 30 Days of Night is so low on the list just because Hellboy is a good movie and 30 Days of Night isn't. <laughs> Well, 
in fairness, in fairness, Hellboy is slightly higher on the list because you edit the show. That's also true, yes. Significant portion of our... I mean, our top five, basically, is just my bias about things. Yeah, yeah, our top five is based on you pulling rank. Hi, the Suicide Squad. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I just thought that might be an idea. Indeed, it is. It is something I'm going to consider, because I'll, I'll bet it's a thought that's kind of crossed my mind once or twice. Mm. But that aside, yeah, I that think is... Invincible is better than the Suicide Squad. That's, I mean, I, I won't hear it. It's a lie. It's wrong. It hangs together better. It tells a more consistent story. It's, I mean, obviously, my personal bias is I would disagree with that. The thing, I also, I mean, even that aside, I, I'm not sure Invincible is good enough to, like, be the fourth best thing that we've got on the list. But then it's a TV show rather than a movie. What are what are the top five? I mean the I mean that's also the point is that at the moment the top five is History of Violent wrote History of Violence, Road to Perdition, Hellboy, The Suicide Squad, and Black Widow. So which are all movies. Films. Yeah. <laughs> this this is certainly leading me towards we might need to split the lists. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so if we were to focus on TV just for now, then, yeah. like what is essentially our top five TV shows, then are One Division at number six, Jessica Jones season one at number seven, The Boys season two at number nine, Resident Alien at number 10, and then The Boys season one at number 12. Oh, and then at 13, we've also got Umbrella Academy Season 2. Well, I, I, I certainly think Invincible deserves to be in in amongst it, in the in the sort of top half of our TV shows, in, in, in the top three or four. Yeah. would if I'm going on my gut especially because then that just makes it a bit easier with the master list that we've got at the moment <laughs> is I'd be tempted to put it as our new number 10 kind of just above Resident Alien just above Boys Season 2 Okay, yeah, that's fair. Okay, lovely stuff Especially because hopefully Mick's forgotten that I did give him the authority to like completely override my decision one time if he wants to. You did. You did. But I'm holding that in abeyance. Yes, I'm, I'm terrified because I know there is. Because I've heard it's going to be something. 30 Days of Night Part 2 coming out. 
That that's as maybe, but also surely by that logic. You're expecting me to watch 30 Days of Night Part 2 and go, whoa, you know what? That was actually the best film I've ever seen. <laughs> but yeah, so there goes Invincible, currently on you number 10. But increasingly, I'm thinking is going to be somewhere else on a different list coming soon. Dun, dun, dun. But anyway, for now, I think that's probably bringing us to the end of the show, isn't it? Yeah. So, uh, that is about it from us. If you do want to hear more, you can find all our episodes on the feed or just wherever you get your podcasts. And if you subscribe, you'll make sure you never miss an episode. Uh, if you want to get in touch, our email is beholdpod at gmail.com or you can follow us on Twitter at beholdpod. Uh, and if you are a fan, we'd really appreciate it if you did leave us a review on your podcast app of choice or just recommended us to a friend. It's the best way for us to go as the show and just to reach out to new listeners. And uh, yeah, that's everything from us. So until next time, I've been Andrew. I've been me. So long, and thanks for listening. Thank you.